Now, I was already disappointed, but I had decaf this morning, so it's, it's not going to be like last week. <laughs> All right, um, it's Pentecost Sunday, by the way, if you didn't know that. It, there's, uh, Pentecost Sunday is basically 50 days after Jesus' death and resurrection, and it's a time uh, that the church throughout the centuries has celebrated the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the followers of Jesus. And uh, the story, of course, is in Acts chapter 2. Uh, when the Holy Spirit descends on everyone uh, who was in the room there uh, praying and, and seeking after God. And, and many consider this to be uh, the birthday of the church. So, happy birthday to us, I guess we could say. I'm not sure if those candles are actually creepy or uh, interesting, but uh, <laughs> there's the cake for us this morning. <laughs> uh, Pentecost is actually the, uh, the day of Pentecost. Um, is where like the Pentecostal movement or Pentecostal churches get their name from because on the day of Pentecost the Holy Spirit was poured out and Pentecostal churches love the Holy Spirit and so that's where they actually get their their name from but it shouldn't just be the Pentecostals who love the Holy Spirit we should love the Holy Spirit too because the Holy Spirit he is amazing and he is good and he is God and he is a, a part of of our lives uh, Jesus said this uh, before uh, he ascended into heaven he said, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, and that's the Holy Spirit. But he says to his disciples, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So the coming of the Holy Spirit upon those early followers of Jesus would, would, would be clothing them in this, this supernatural power. This power that was beyond them, that was beyond their, their natural ability, that they would no longer walk as they once did. That they would have these new clothes, these clothes of power. And I don't know, I kind of liken it to uh, good old, you know, Mr. Stark uh, from uh, uh, Iron Man. You know, he was just an ordinary guy, kind of cocky, of course. But he was kind of an ordinary guy. But, but when he put on this suit, all of a sudden Tony Stark had this, this power. It wasn't from his physical body, but it was, he was clothed in this power. And all of a sudden he could do all these crazy things and fight all the bad guys and and make an interesting movie, but this is what Jesus was saying, that ordinary people like you and I would be clothed with the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden we could do things that we could not normally do on our own strength and ability. And I don't know about you, but, but, but I, I need power. We need power because life is hard at times. Uh, sometimes there's highs in life, but there's a lot of lows. I mean, Jesus told us very clearly. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. And we face trouble. Uh, we face financial trouble. We face marital trouble. We face relationship trouble. We just face trouble with our own, you know, struggles within our lives and work and jobs and, and on and on. And we need strength in, in every aspect of our life. And the good news is that there is strength avail available. There is strength that goes beyond what you can muster through your own efforts and your own abilities. There's a supernatural strength where you can be clothed in power through the Holy Spirit. And this is what we celebrate on, on Pentecost Sunday. Now, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is basically the presence of God in us. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Or Romans chapter 8 says the Spirit of God dwells in you. That God is in us. That when Jesus died on the cross, 
Because he took all of our sin and it paid for anything and everything that keeps us from a relationship with God that we have been washed so clean in Jesus that his very presence fills us with the Holy Spirit. And this, this has just got to radically change us to realize that God is, is in you. He's not just out there somewhere or hiding behind a bush or, you know, in your closet. He's, he's actually in you. And that wherever you go, God's there. You can't hide from God. Uh, you can't chase God away because he did a whole bunch of bad things that day that, that he is in you. And, and when you're filled with anxiety, God is there. And that should bring comfort. When you're afraid of your situation, God is there. That should bring peace. When you're feeling alone, God is there. You should feel as if you have a friend. That God is actually in us wherever we are. And it's just radical. If you really begin to think that and apply that to life, I mean, that in itself should change you. Uh, the Holy Spirit is also, he's a person. He's not like just some part of the universe or some sort of energy that God sends out like the force in Star Wars. He is a person. Uh, he has a personality. Now, he doesn't have a physical body like, like, like I do, uh, but he, he is a person. Is described throughout the Bible as a person. Acts chapter 13, we see the Holy Spirit speaking. It says, while the church was worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Paul, that here we see the Holy Spirit speaking. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Uh, and sometimes we, we, we have a hard time listening, but... We just need to tune our ears in sometimes to the Holy Spirit and worship and fasting and prayer and just spending time in his word and being in silence are great ways to hear the Holy Spirit because he wants to speak to you. The Holy Spirit, who is God, wants to speak to every one of us. Uh, the Holy Spirit has emotions. It, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That you can actually grieve, you can, you can hurt the heart of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is for you and, and it wants to, to help you in life. And it, the Bible describes the Holy Spirit as our counselor and helper. And, and when we push the Holy Spirit away, we actually hurt the Holy Spirit. Just as we can hurt our spouse or a friend when we kind of push them away, that when we begin to push the, the Spirit away and what He's doing, it, it actually hurts His heart. Uh, the Holy Spirit has desires and a will. Prescriptions 12 talks about how He gives all these gifts to us just as he determines. The Holy Spirit is relational. 2 Corinthians talks about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That, that some of us here, I mean, we're great at, you know, I have fellowship with the Father, or I have fellowship with Jesus, but, you know, uh, fellowship with the Holy Spirit kind of seems awkward for some people. And maybe it's because, I mean, we can relate to a father, because we have earthly fathers, and so I can maybe understand Heavenly Father. And, and I can relate to Jesus, because he, he had a physical body. I can kind of relate to him, but, you know, the, the spirit of the old term, the Holy Ghost, you know. He's kind of freaky, you know. I don't know about the Holy Ghost. I don't know when I entertain him too much. But uh, he is good, and he is God, and he's wonderful, and wants to be in fellowship with you. And, and is, if you're a follower of Christ, is in fellowship with you. And we just need to, to really walk into that. Now, our relationship with the Holy Spirit is actually more important than the physical presence of Jesus. This is how important the Holy Spirit is. That Jesus uh, said this to his disciples. He, Jesus said to his disciples, your hearts are filled with sadness because I have said these things to you. And Jesus said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going away. I'm not going to be physically with you any longer. And he tells his disciples this, and they, they're sad. But then Jesus says, but I tell you the truth. 
it is to your advantage that I'm going away. For if I do not go away, the advocate or the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And you can imagine the disciples saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute. It's better that you go away so that we have the Holy Spirit. I think it's better that you're here, like physically with us, so we can see you and talk with you and touch you. There is nothing better than that. And, and we might think the same. That the ultimate in life would be just to have Jesus physically here. Now, he is here by his spirit, but to have him physically here, like riding in our car physically and, you know, give Jesus a high five when things go well and we could, you know, cry in his lap when things are bad or whatever. Just have him, say, that would be awesome. But Jesus says, look, it's better that I go away so that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. That the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is that important to have God, his presence through the Holy Spirit in, in our hearts. Now, what happened on Pentecost? This is the story of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. It said when the day of Pentecost came, and the Pentecost didn't begin with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It was actually an Old Testament feast, the Feast of Weeks, or Feast of First Fruits, also known as Pentecost, which is just a Greek word that meant uh, 50, is the 50th day after Passover. They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire. It wasn't, wasn't actually tongues of fire. Just say it seemed like it. it was the best way they could describe it. Seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So they're, they're praying. And also this, you know, the, the, this wind comes and also the, the Holy Spirit descends on them in, in this mysterious way that Luke describes. It kind of was like fire coming on them, however it was. And they begin to speak in tongues. Now, what's this deal with tongues? Well, the word tongues simply means, uh, it just means languages. Uh, and the idea here is, and we're going to see that, they began to speak in languages they did not know themselves. And there's all these people at Pentecost from all different nations and lots of different Jewish converts who had lots of different languages. And so these disciples were able to speak in all these different languages so they could kind of figure out what was actually going on. Also in the Bible, there, there's the kind of tongues where you're speaking a language you don't know, but other people understand. There's also the kind of tongues which... No human being understands, and that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It says, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands them, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. And so there's this kind of the prayer language that sometimes uh, Christians use where we just our hearts flow to God, and it's not a language we can quite understand, but, but we know God understands what's coming from our heart. And, and so there's these Two ideas of tongues, real languages and just this mysterious language. But anyways, it's not the point. Uh, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says, now they were staying in Jerusalem. Uh, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. They, they heard these disciples speaking in tongues. And then it says, because each one heard their own language being spoken. So these were, these were actually languages in this case. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? And then it lists all these countries. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue, amazed and 
perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some of them made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. So it was just this strange event going on. Some people thought they were drunk. Others you know, heard them in their own language. They're like, wow, this is really cool. There's something big and strange happened on the day of Pentecost. It's the outpouring on the Holy Spirit it was not an ordinary day. These disciples were radically changed. And then Peter stood up to explain what was going on. Uh, he addresses the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. That doesn't start till after lunch, you know. It's only nine in the morning. Now, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So he gives a biblical answer to, to what was going on. And there's a prophecy about this day. Now, God said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon uh, all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So there's going to be miraculous events going on in believers' lives. But the point is that the spirit is for all people. Men, women, young, old, that all of a sudden this idea of God being relegated to a temple and God is only reserved for a few of the really holy men and, and no one else can get near to God or you need some sort of priest or a pastor to get to God. It's like, that's no more. The Holy Spirit is now for everyone. It doesn't matter your background or where you're from or who you are. God wants to clothe you in supernatural power uh, and do many, many amazing things in your life. And if you look at the Bible, there's just zillions of things the Holy Spirit does, but here's just a couple of the things the Spirit does in our life or, or wants to do more of in your own life. First of all, the Holy Spirit empowers us. And that's what Jesus said. He's going to clothe you with power. Second Timothy chapter 1 said, For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid or, or fearful, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline, that the Spirit of God is not to frighten us or to have us be people who are just scared of everything in life, but to actually give us power. But again, the Holy Spirit wants to give you power beyond what you can naturally do so that you can move beyond the natural in your marriage, move beyond the natural in life, move beyond the natural at your job, that there would be power in your life. And we see this in Acts. It says, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Uh, oh, whoa, I read that wrong. <coughs> and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all give power. To them. That makes no sense to me. Maybe it's a mistake. <coughs> anyways, maybe some of you are going to interpret tongues. Can interpret that for me. <coughs> but anyways, <laughs> the point is it's this power. And we see this change in the disciples. Like, before the Holy Spirit, they, they, you remember they were cowering, afraid of the Jews, locking their doors because they were so scared that they were going to be in trouble by the religious leaders. And from this point on, they just walk out in power. Uh, they're not afraid of men in the same way. They're, they're boldly proclaiming the goodness of Jesus. I mean, they're radically changed, and the Holy Spirit radically changes our lives. Another way the Spirit empowers us says the fruit of the Spirit. Or the working of the Holy Spirit in your life is this. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and, and self-control. I mean, 
This is the kind of stuff that the Holy Spirit wants to increase in your life. And I look at that list and go, man, I'd love more of that. I need more love. Some people are hard to love. And, and I need more joy because sometimes I kind of feel depressed at times. And I need more peace because life is turmoil sometimes. I need more patience because there's people around me. And I need kindness and goodness and, and all those things, right? I mean, those are all things that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life in an increasing, an increasing way. And the more of the Holy Spirit you have in your life, the more some of these things can, can work uh, in us. Uh, the Holy Spirit also gives us special gifts for helping others. You remember that our purpose in life is to love Jesus and love people and to see lives transformed. That's our purpose, and that's where we get the most life from. That's where we get the most joy is when we're living for loving Jesus and loving people and seeing lives transformed. And, and God wants to help us do that. So what he does is through the Holy Spirit, it says to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, that he gives the manifestation of the Spirit into each of us in unique ways. He, he shapes us differently so that we might be able to love and help others. And some of you, he has uniquely shaped you, that you're just amazing at encouraging people. That you just encourage, and all of a sudden it's like, man, I just feel so much better. Some of you are amazing at mercy. Some of you are amazing at, at wisdom or at teaching. And, and there's all these gifts in the Bible that every one of you who has the Holy Spirit in you is, is uniquely shaped. God has uniquely empowered you so that you can love other people in this unique way. And I hope you know what that is. I hope you know how you're uniquely wired, because this is what the Holy Spirit does in us. Uh, the Holy Spirit is also our helper and counselor. Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will send you another helper, or the word is advocate or counselor, to be with you forever. Imagine just having like a, a personal Abbey with you at all times. I mean, that's what we have, a personal counselor, a personal helper. And at any time in our day, at any time in our life, we can say, I need wisdom. I need help. And God is right there because, again, God is in us through the Holy Spirit. He's not distant. He is there. Uh, the Holy Spirit is our strength and protector. I love this verse in 1 John. It says, the one who is in you, that's the Holy Spirit, is greater than the one who is in the world. Uh, I mean, Satan and the enemy and just pressures of the world just want, want to just you know, push you down. And they want to tear you apart. I mean, Satan's desire is to kill, steal, and destroy. But we don't need to be afraid because the Holy Spirit is far stronger than any pressure that we face. And somebody's got to, we got to lean on that pressure inside. See, Jesus, this is a really difficult situation, but the one who is in me is greater than the one who is in the world. And sometimes you just need to repeat that in your head and stand on the strength that you have in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides us. Uh, Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Not just some, but all the truth that, man, if you need wisdom, you, ha you have it if you're listening. Again, some of us have a hard time hearing the Holy Spirit because we have the noise of the world turned up so loud we can't hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit at times. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Who knows what God, God is thinking? Ah, the Holy Spirit knows what God is thinking. And then it says this. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. That only spirit knows what God is thinking, and we have the Holy Spirit. And it goes on to say that we have the mind of Christ, that, that we have with us this 
this Holy Spirit who guides us, who gives us wisdom, that when we're trying to figure out, God, what do you want in my life, that there is someone who is there. As James says, if any of you needs wisdom, you ask God, and, and he, he just wants to give you wisdom. But sometimes we need to slow down enough and focus on him so that we might, might hear him guide us. Uh, the Holy Spirit also gives us power over sin. Uh, we all struggle. There's not one person here that's not struggling with sin. Uh, I mean, some of us may be made further down the journey than others, but, but I mean, the Bible says if you ever claim you have no sin, man, you, you're just a liar. But we have help. You have help. Uh, Romans 8 says you have no obligation to do whatever your sinful nature urges you to do. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than even your own sinful nature. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. That we actually, because of the Holy Spirit in us, because he is God and he is strong, the Bible says we have actually no obligation to say yes to sin ever. Now that we still do because we're foolish at times, but, but I mean, there's this strength. Are you walking in that strength? I mean, it's available through, through God. The Holy Spirit also reminds us that we are a child of God. Uh, Galatians 4 says, because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. I tell you, there's nothing more than, than what Satan tries to whisper in your ear is that, that you're like you're nothing, that you're no good, nobody cares about you, that you're unlovable, that you're a mess, that you're a screw-up. And sometimes we even say that to ourselves when things don't quite right. I can't do anything good. I'm just a horrible person. Nobody cares for me. And you know, we, we say those kind of things. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes and goes, no, 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 no. You're not a slave to fear. You don't have to be a slave to anxiety. You're a child of God. The, the, you, you're my kid, and I love you, and I care for you, and you are a precious, and, and I love you that I died for you on the cross. The Holy Spirit is constantly reminding us of who we are in God. And if you're spending too much time thinking about how much of a loser you are, how pathetic you are, I'm not good at anything, and nobody cares for me, I'll tell you, you are listening more to Satan than you are to the Holy Spirit. Because God doesn't say those kind of things to you. You're his, his child. It, it goes on in Romans 8 and says, uh, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba. And that's, that's, a, that's an intimate word like, like daddy, father. For a spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Now, are you listening to the Holy Spirit in this? I mean, how much time do you spend, you know, telling yourself or listening to the lie of the enemy that you're a loser or that you're no good or you can't do anything right or that it doesn't matter how hard you try, it always fails. I mean, if you're constantly thinking those things, you've got to tune more into the Holy Spirit because that's not God. God is saying, I adopted you and I want to fill your life with power and, I, and I'm for you and not, not against you. And it's so important that we tune into the Holy Spirit because so many people are living life just defeated. They're not loved, and they're not precious, and they can't do anything right, and, and Satan's just working overtime. It's like, it's time more than ever that we start listening to the Holy Spirit, who reminds us who we are, and that is, man, not a slave, and not a fearful slave, but man, we're, ch we're children of God. 
All right. So after all those things, I hope you say, like, I want more of that. I want more power. I want more of the fruit of the Spirit. I want more of those kind of things. I'm going to have more of the Holy Spirit in my life. And maybe it's not always the easiest question, if you look at it strictly theologically anyways. And I want to quickly give you, with, within the Christian tradition, there's kind of three different ways this is answered in terms of how can I get more of the Holy Spirit in, in my life. And this is way oversimplifying it, so this is uh, a simplified view. But basically, within Christianity, there's views in between. There's kind of a one-event view, two-event view, and multiple-event views. And, and the, the one-event view says this, that when you become a Christian, you receive the absolute fullness of the Holy Spirit, and once you become a Christian, in that moment, you get all of the Holy Spirit, and you can't really get much more. It's kind of a one-time event, and, and then that's kind of it. And a lot of these people won't talk much about the Holy Spirit. They kind of, well, the Holy Spirit's in my life, but any kind of moment of empowering or renewal, they'll just kind of say, you know, that's God just renewing my mind. They talk a lot about the Father. They might talk a lot about, uh, about Jesus, but they tend not to talk a lot about the Holy Spirit because it's kind of, I got the Holy Spirit, and I can just kind of put him on the shelf. There's a one-time event view. There's a two-event view, and this event view would be a very common in, like, Assemblies of God and some Pentecostal churches. And they would say, when you become a Christian, you get a little bit of the Holy Spirit. But what you need is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so what you need to do is, is seek God. And you need to, to, by faith, receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And they would say salvation and the filling of the Holy Spirit or baptism of the Holy are separate events. And so you got to keep praying and seeking until you're filled with power. And some would say that the, the, the sign of that is speaking in tongues. Others would just say it would just be the sense of the Spirit of God filling your life. And so a two-event view. You get a little bit, and then you get a lot, and then you can kind of, you know, move on with, with your Christian life. And then there's the multiple-event view. The multiple-event view is held by uh, a, lot of, a lot of charismatics. It's held by the vineyard. It's held, I hold this view. Many, many of us hold this view, I know. And this, this view says that when you become the Christian, you receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, you are baptized, you are filled in the Holy Spirit, but that's not it. You can have multiple encounters throughout your Christian life where you're, again, filled afresh, empowered. These, these powerful moments where the Spirit comes upon you, and you're just radically changed. All of a sudden, your Christian watch just goes boom, and your love for God goes boom, and your marriage goes whoa, because you're just it's touched again over and over and over again. And I believe this is what the Bible teaches. It's not just a one-time event where you put the Holy Spirit on the shelf. It's not just a two-time thing where you say, I've done that, and you know, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit 20 years ago, and I go, you know, it happened back then. Well, how's it going today? Well, mm, no. Right? We just see this in the Bible. Dr. Sam Storms, he puts it this way. All Christians, by definition, have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. However, there are also multiple subsequent experiences of the Spirit's activity. After conversion, the Spirit may yet come with varying degrees of intensity, wherein the Christian is overwhelmed, empowered, anointed, or in some sense endued. This release of new power, this manifestation of the Spirit's intimate presence, is most likely to be identified with what the New Testament calls the filling of the Spirit. And this is the story we see in the book of Acts. Uh, and so, we see at the beginning, we saw this. In Acts chapter 2, it says that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. So they're baptized and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. But, but look what happens next. Just a couple chapters later, Acts chapter 4 says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. And it's like, he's almost like filled again. Or you could say, well, that was the filling from the last time. But 
But what about this? Acts chapter 4. The, the disciples are praying. The same disciples who were filled with the Holy Spirit, this is their prayer. Send your healing power. Uh, may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And that's still a good prayer for today. That we would pray that God would release his healing power and, and, and miracles. And we would see that in, in our lives. And we see miracles at times in our church. And that's cool. And uh, we want to see more. And it says, after this, the building where they were meeting shook. And then it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they preached God's message with boldness. So here again, so they're filled in Acts chapter 2. Peter's filled again there. Acts chapter 4, they're all filled again. In Acts chapter 13, it says, all the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So we see these ongoing experiences of, of people being filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. And I hope that's the testimony of your life. That the work of the Holy Spirit wasn't just something that happened 20 years ago. You know, I was at this revival meeting and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Or, you know, I became a Christian. I received the Holy Spirit and then you just don't. Are you continuing to sense the movement of the Spirit in your life? Continue to see the growth of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience in your life. Are you having encounters with God that you're just like, man, th this is really cool what God is doing in, in my life. Now, not all followers of Jesus are overflowing with the Spirit of God. Uh, not all of us here who follow Jesus are, and it's difficult to, to, to def put a word here because, you know, however you put a word, it's kind of defined different ways, but, but not all of us here are overflowing with the Holy Spirit in the same way. And it's biblical. Some of you are like, what? I thought everybody had the Holy Spirit equally. We are all filled in the sense with the Holy Spirit, but there are some that just seem to flow more in the Holy Spirit. And we see this in Acts chapter 6. Here in Acts chapter 6, the apostles uh, are needing to get some leaders together for their church. And this is what they say to the church. Carefully select from among you, brothers, seven men who are well attested, full of the Holy Spirit, of the Spirit, and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this necessary task. So here they say, I want you to find in this church seven men who are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Now, if everybody was full of the Holy Spirit in the same way, this would make no sense. But they're saying, obviously, there's some people who are flowing more in the Spirit, or are filled more with the Spirit, or if you define that, and it's get controversial, but just, they're just overflowed with the Spirit more than others. And then we see in Acts chapter 6, it says, So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. So there was something about Stephen where he just seemed to be flowing more in the Spirit, or more overwhelmed by the, or more empowered, however you use the terminology, that just seemed to have a deeper walk with the Holy Spirit. In other words, we can never top, tap the Holy Spirit out. We can never say, well, I've got enough of them. I mean, I had that experience 20 years ago. And, I mean, you can be more filled than you are today. And, and maybe the best illustration is a balloon. I mean, you could take a balloon, and I was going to bring one, but I forgot. I mean, you can blow it up, and you can say, see, this balloon is full. And every Christian is filled with the Holy Spirit. But you know what? I could blow more in it, and it's still full. That was full, but this is, like, more full. And, and however you, I mean, there is more that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. I mean, He wants to empower us more. He wants to increase uh, our work of the kingdom, our love for others, and, and our ministry to this community, and our ministry to each other in greater ways. Uh, Paul said this in Ephesians 5 to Christians, to us. He says, hey, be filled with the Spirit. And it says that Greek word is to be continually filled. In other words, just continually drink of the Holy Spirit. You don't just take a sip and put it on the shelf. We can continually drink of the Spirit because it, He just wants to do more and more and more in our lives.
And so one of the questions we need to ask is if you're not experiencing the Holy Spirit, I mean, are you quenching the Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is a person. You know, if people come along and constantly hurt me, I tend not to want to hang around with them as much. I mean, I still do because I, I love them and, 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 you know, Christian love, you know. But it's just like, I don't know if I want to see that person right now. And I mean, the Holy Spirit's a lot more mature than that, obviously. But there's a sense that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, do not quench the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit is looking at all of our lives and saying, I want to do a mighty work in you. I want to fill you with a love that just no one can stop. I want to fill you with blessing. I'm for you, not against you. I want to do these things, and we kind of like, shh, quench the hose, right? Because we're just kind of selfish and sinful at times, right? We think we know better, but we've got to realize there is nothing better than for us to be flowing in the Spirit. I mean, every one of God's commands in the Bible is not to be negative, but it is for us because God loves us. And God loves you more than anybody else in your life. And he wants to do amazing things. And he wants to do it through the Spirit. And so, Galatians 5 says, I say, walk by the Spirit. And you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. Are you struggling with things in your life that, that are leading you to depression, that are leading you to anxiety, to leading you to just to be miserable? And the answer is not trying harder. It's walking by the Spirit. Because, man, I cannot do a lot on my own. And I cannot face the pressures of my own life on my own. But when I walk by the Spirit, I can because I'm clothed like, you know, Mr. Stark there in my Iron Man suit, right? I mean, it, uh, Galatians 5 says, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit's always out in front of us. Say, come here. <laughs> I'll take you to new territory. I want to do something new in your life, something new in your marriage, something new in your church. Come on, let's go. And, and sometimes we just don't keep in step with the Spirit. So I need to be listening. I mean, all of us need to be taking time during the week where we just listen to what the Spirit is saying. And sometimes you can just put on worship music in the background and just say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And you can ask him questions. What are you saying to me about my life right now? And you listen. You jot it down. Oh, what are you saying to me about my marriage? What are you saying to me about my work situation? What are you saying to me about how I'm blessing and loving others? And, and you just listen. And you discern it through God's word, of course. But, I mean, we need to keep in step with the Spirit. And the good news is, in this last verse, God wants to bless you with more of the Spirit. He wants to bless me with more of the Spirit. Uh, Jesus said, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you'll be given what you ask for. Keep on looking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds, and the door is open to everyone who knocks. Your, you fathers, if you ask, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That he wants to pour out the Spirit on you. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, the first step is just, just to open your heart to Jesus. Uh, we need to have Jesus cleanse us and to wash us clean so that, we, that we're a vessel where the Holy Spirit can fill us. And it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've been through or what kind of life you've lived. It doesn't matter if you've been the worst person on the planet. Jesus is enough to cleanse you. And he's enough to, to fill you with his spirit. 
And those of you who have been Christians for a long time, continue seeking more of the Spirit. You can have multiple encounters, multiple films. That balloon can just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger to one day, hey, when we're looking at it, say, hey, we need people who are full of the Holy Spirit. We look at you and say, man, that's that gal. That's that man. He's full of the Holy Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit and watch what God does. Hey, let's stand as we close in prayer. If any of you need uh, prayer for anything, maybe you just want to pray. You need prayer like, God, would you touch me in greater ways? I've been dry spiritually and I need a fresh infilling. Uh, please come up for prayer. If you have a friend that needs prayer or just any issue that needs prayer in your life, please come up. Uh, we'll have Deanna and Crystal and, uh, and Marie up here ready to uh, pray for you. They'll be happy to pray for you. Otherwise, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for sending your Holy Spirit yeah, because we need help. And we thank you for the power of the Spirit in our lives. And we thank you for how the Holy Spirit changes us. And I'm so thankful for the many, many stories in this church of how lives have been changed. And God, we just keep praying for more. Uh, that you would increase the fruit of the Spirit in our life. That people really would know us by, by our love and our gentleness and our peace and our patience. That we'd radically love each person we meet this week. Uh, God, that we would sacrifice for those around us. God, we pray that we would honor you, uh, that we would not be people who fear man, but, but fear you, that we'd be reminded that you have not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. So God, would you fill us again? Would you fill us afresh? God, would you bless us with the Holy Spirit this week? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, God bless you. Have a great week.